Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. Scout Sobel, and welcome to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast where we talk business strategy while also vulnerably connecting on emotional resilience. As the CEO and founder of Scouts Agency, a female-focused agency where we get women as guests on podcasts, and someone who has suffered from, managed, and lived with bipolar disorder, the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship is where I find my success. If you are here, it is because you are ready to feel safe in your emotions so that you can live your life of purpose. Let's get into the inspiration, shall we? Welcome back to the show, emotional entrepreneurs. You are welcome and honored here, no matter what emotions you are feeling, what challenges you are facing, or what expansion you are going through. We love the full spectrum of the human experience here, and in that, I am so grateful that you are here joining us today for this episode. Today, I interview a friend of mine, Lauren Elizabeth. You might know her as one of the original YouTubers. She has an incredible podcast called Mood by Lauren Elizabeth, which I was a guest on last week. So once you're done listening here, if you need more of this type of a conversation, head over there to listen to me as a guest on her podcast. But I'm so excited about this conversation. We talked a lot about how to be vulnerable on the internet and when to discern what to share and how to share and when to share the things you want to share. We talk a lot about going through radical transformation with our mental health. We talk a lot about the 12-step program and what she learned from walking through it when she decided to be sober for a little bit, as well as what I've learned having a husband who is 11 years sober now. So we talked a lot of, a lot about those principles and how everyone can use them to help their mental health and dig into their mental health. I have been lucky enough to witness Lauren's transformation as a friend and from the sidelines through her content over the last couple years. And it's been really, really, really inspirational to see someone commit to their lives the way Lauren has. So she is a fellow woman who talks about mental health on the internet, which I absolutely love. And so I think you guys are going to really connect with this conversation. And as I said earlier, if you like it, go over to Mood by Lauren Elizabeth and listen to me on her podcast where we talk about more mental health stuff. And I give a really pretty in-depth check-in on how I feel about my pregnancy and how I'm emotionally moving through my pregnancy over there. So you're not going to want to miss it. Okay, enjoy this episode. Okay, we have Lauren Elizabeth on the podcast, which is so exciting and near and dear to my heart because I feel like 
you were one of my first friends that I made in the podcast space. Can I tell you a story? This is really embarrassing. Yeah, duh. What? I had no idea who you were before you walked into my mom's house when I even had you. How the fuck is that embarrassing at all? My sister knew who you were and followed you. And I just showed up. She's like, we're having Lauren Elizabeth on the podcast. And I was like, oh, okay, what? And then she just told me about you real quick. And then we talked and I was like, this chick is fucking awesome. And I love her. (laughs) Well, first of all, that's not embarrassing at all because I don't expect anyone to know who the fuck (laughs) I am. But I mean, I just feel like it was fate because we immediately became friends at that point. So jokes on you (laughs) because now you're stuck with me. Yes, that's very true. That's very true. Okay. So I want to talk to you about specifically being on the internet in a mental health capacity because you are someone Mm -hmm. who very openly talks about mental health. And as someone who does the same, I always appreciate it when there's someone else that is very open. I know you started on YouTube forever, 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 forever ago, but can you tell us at what point did talking about mental health become a thing for your platform? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, a little bit different for me just because like you said, I started forever, forever, forever ago. So even when I was doing YouTube, no one was doing YouTube. And then when I started talking about mental health, no one was talking about mental health. And I don't say that to be like, Whoa, I'm ahead of the thing. It's just for me talking about mental health. Wasn't just to, you know, because everyone else was, it was genuinely because I had been making YouTube videos for only maybe like two years, three years tops. And I was starting to get a following. So, you know, at you know, for the first year, I didn't really have a following or anything. And when I did, you know, obviously I was putting a lot of effort into my videos and fashion and makeup. And I just, I found that it was during this time where everyone was super, super girly and super, super put together in whatever way was cool at that time. And I felt that I was kind of starting to have all these girls really look up to me in some sort and really receive my content in a way that was inspiring. However it was at the time, I can't even remember why anyone would be, but it was enough for me to just feel so just guilty, I guess, because I would be getting all these comments and all these people, quote unquote, looking up to me and I wasn't a hundred percent being myself. And they didn't even really know that, you know, at the time they're like, oh my God, your life looks so perfect. And you're so pretty because of your makeup and blah, blah, blah. I was like, bro, I'm depressed as fuck. Like, and so I just felt so inauthentic when I would get those comments. And cause I was just like in such a bad place. And I had always been in like, you know, an up and down bad place since I started YouTube That's why I started. And so it just felt like really natural for me to get it off my chest. Like it was literally like unburdening myself. That's what it was. It was like, you know, like, you know, people always say now, like, oh, maybe it'll help one person. Like at the time, like with a small following and with no one else doing this, I was like, okay, like maybe this actually will help one person. Cause you know, there's so many things that we all say now just because they resonate, but then people, they become, you know, whatever they are anyway. So yes, that is why I first started sharing and it was truly to get this weight lifted off of me so that I didn't feel like I had guilt. And so that I didn't feel like I had to be someone that I wasn't because at the time, like my personality, just from a branding perspective, like I was not being myself fully on the internet at all. So I feel like at least talking about my mental health during a dark time was like step one into that. So you've gone through a major transition, in my opinion, in the last couple of years, like listening to some of your latest episodes on your podcast versus where you were when we first met is, oh my God, yeah. is like 
you went through a very, very deep excavation of who you are and finding yourself and having the tools to talk about it, et cetera. How do you know what to share in the moment or what to wait to share until you come out the other end? Because for Mm. you, people are following up pretty much with like where you're at on a daily basis and sometimes vulnerably sharing on the internet while you're in it isn't the best move and we want to be authentic at the same time. So so when you were going through kind of like this two-year rebirth of who you are, figuring out who you are, moving back to Chicago, going to therapy, you got sober and now you're not sober, which I find so brave in all aspects to get sober and then to admit that that's not your thing is huge. How did you kind of like teeter between I need to be authentic and I can't just like have a breakdown on the internet, on my Instagram stories, you know? No, I mean, yeah, totally. I think that, I mean, first of all, thank you. And I think that obviously being open for so long makes some things easier. And I think some things are scarier, right? And so I think that when it came to something like moving to Chicago, it was more so you know, kind of easy to do it like almost in the moment, because obviously like, I'm not going to be having like totally an emotional breakdown and like grab, like reach for my phone because I feel like that would be very odd. And that's, you know, not why we share what we share, but I think, you know, when you're someone who like has mental breakdowns, quote unquote, obviously not as crazy as it sounds, but when you're kind of having anxiety all the time, it's like really easy to be like, oh yeah, I was anxious or I have anxiety because you're just more comfortable with it. And then there's stuff that like, you know, I think I always have this hard and fast rule of if it has to do with someone else, I definitely wait an extra beat because I'm very aware that there's two sides to every story. And I'm very aware that we play a part in everything. So I'm never going to be the person that like goes on the internet and doesn't take any accountability for my own actions, because that's not how I am in my real life. So when something is really affecting me that has to do with someone else, I know that I need even more time to process it because I'm way too emotionally in it because I'm probably building a resentment towards this other person. And I need to break that down on my own before I can share it. And so that's why with something like breakups and And my sobriety journey that I undid, I know that they're more sensitive because they involve other people. And I think that not only did the sobriety journey involve someone else in my life, I knew it involved so many, it involved everyone that had followed it. And I knew that like, I didn't want to be insensitive or a reason that someone thought that they could go back out and drink. And for me, it was so hard to live inauthentically online, but it was also so hard to figure like literally my old sponsor, who's now just a friend and family. Like she was the one who helped me write out my podcast for that because she understood, I understood. And I was like, I need your help. I'm like, how do I say this without making someone pick up a drink? Because like, that's not like my intention at all. Like the same way, you know, you don't want to trigger someone when talking about like some sort of like eating disorder or something. You don't want to talk about your experience and then them, it triggered them the wrong way of like, you know, I actually just lost my appetite. And so I think that it's also super scary because like you're being judged all the time too. So like I still to this day get comments every single time, every single time I post an Instagram story with alcohol in it, 
every single time I get tons of messages and tons of comments. I thought you were sober. Some of them are just necessarily confused. And some of them are just mean. And they're like, you're an alcoholic. And I'm just like, well, a, you didn't listen to my podcast or watch any of my YouTube videos. And it's like, I have been drinking for two years now. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, and I think that people just feel this need of like, you know, they know who was wrong or right in the relationship. They know who was wrong or right in this decision. And it's like, we have so many people that love us and support us and know us in real life. Like they have our backs. Like I don't need other people. Like I don't share because I need your help. Like I have a support system. And so I think once I feel confident enough with my support system in real life, then I'm able to be of service to other people. Because if I'm just sharing that I'm having a mental breakdown, like and there's not enough hindsight. It's like, it's not just for me. It's like, so that I can be helpful. It's like, I'm not just sharing to just like share. I'm sharing to be helpful. So I think there are, there's a lot of things that go into it, but at the end of the day, I have to share because I can't do this job inauthentically. It's already such a hard job to begin with. Yeah. I, there's like so much there. I'm <laughs> like, which way do we go first? No, I know. That's why I was like, well, if it has to do with this thing, then it's this thing. And if it's this, it's that. Like there are like a lot of factors. Like even like last, uh, I mean, I mean, you went through this too. Like last summer, like I spent all summer in the hospital because my grandpa was dying. But at the same time, like I didn't want to just like have people like pitting me or like look weird all summer. But like I was, it was the worst fucking summer of my life. And that says a lot considering how fucking miserable I've been in other times. And so I think it's, but that that's so different because like I have so many family members that are affected in that. And like, it's not my place to, have every single person that knows us follow us. And then all of a sudden, like have all my cousins getting texts and my aunts and uncles getting texts of like, oh my God, I saw like your grandpa's in the hospital. Like, you know what I mean? So it, there's a lot of different kind of decision-making thoughts. Yeah, there's two things that you said. One, the part about, you know, your grandpa dying and having the whole family be involved. So if you were to say something that does involve other people, I, my grandma just passed away a couple months ago and I don't, I think I posted a photo of her with a heart. Like I, I didn't go into it. I haven't talked about it on the podcast. My sister and I didn't talk about it on the podcast. Like it just wasn't something that we went into. And I think that obviously your scale of exposure and community is, is vastly larger than mine. And as I got into this, I had to start asking myself questions of like, I don't have to share everything. Like there are things that can be very private. Exactly. There can yeah. be. And one of the things that is extremely private, although people might not think this is my husband and my relationship. Like, that yeah. is not really talked about. Like I talk, I'm, I reference him all the time and all the fun, whatever we're doing, but like the issues that we have or the stuff we're working on or like the depths of our relationship, it's just not something I touch because without him in the room or without his permission or without that, right. like it's just, it's not, it has not, you know what I'm saying? So that's a line that I've been able to draw as well. And then something that you said that was so helpful was once I feel like I have my support system in real life is when I can go on the internet and talk about it. And I think that's so, so, like that's the best advice I've ever heard to anyone who is starting a business where they are forward facing and they are sharing their personal life because as you said, you will get comments of people who are mean or who are tearing you down. And if you don't have that support system behind you of people who love, trust, and know you, it can be very easy to second guess your decisions or to- Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's like literally never been a point where someone has DM'd me about like a breakup or sobriety or something. And I've second guessed myself at all yeah. because you literally don't know me. And I don't tell you the entire story. Like, like you said, like as open as I am, like, obviously I'm not going to share every single detail. And I always say like, if you grew up Christian, you grew, you grew up Jewish, you know, I 
and you go to church every Sunday and then someone comes up to you and is like, why do you go to church every Sunday? It's, it's all, you know, and it's like you, like, that's what you believe in. And there's like no one that's going to change your mind about it. Like necessarily, obviously, depending on the person, but I'm just, I've used that example to friends before where I'm like, why are you second, second guessing yourself so much in this? Like you have to believe in this as much as you believe in that or whatever. And so I think that it doesn't mean that I don't have anxiety. Like I literally didn't want to post about my grandpa, but because I didn't want to seem pity or dramatic or whatever, but like, like I felt really uncomfortable doing it, but it was the only thing I could think. It was the only thing I was thinking about. It was the only thing I was going through. Like I couldn't do anything else. And so it's just, it is weird though, as someone, and I don't know if you relate to this, like as you share about mental health, cause you're like, is this getting old? Like are people, is this helping people or am I just like, you know, is it this just so boring and sympathy? And it's like, why aren't you over it yet? Like get over it. And so sometimes like that makes it hard, but I think that it comes from insecurity. Yeah. I think that in the beginning of my pregnancy, when I was going through mental health problems, I touched upon it and I talked about it or I wrote some captions or I talked about it on the podcast or with Maddie on okay sis. And every time I did it, I didn't feel that confident in it because I was mm-hmm. still in it. But I also was like, yeah. how do I show up here authentically? And so it was a dance that I had to to do, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't feel that confident. Now I feel very confident in talking about kind of how my mood dipped and the thoughts that my mind were going through and the shame that I felt and the fear that I felt because I've come out the other end and have a very clear picture. But it was also mm-hmm. very difficult because I show up and I'm like, well, this is really what I'm going through and it's hard. And people like you and you and myself, like if, if we're not authentic, it just doesn't like that contributes to a mental health problem in me personally. Like I I don't feel aligned. So it's, it's a dance for sure. I like kind of like the boundaries and the rules and like, if you're starting out and you get it wrong, it's fine. Like you, you, you learn very quickly what feels good to share and what doesn't feel good to share. There is something very unique that I think you and I have a perspective on that some don't, which is in many ways, I believe like the magic of the 12 step program. Like my husband is mm-hmm. 11 years sober. I went to basically every meeting with him like once a week, twice a week for the first months and months of our relationship. Cause when I went to go stay with him in Orange County, when I lived in LA, he had commitments at these certain meetings. So I would go mm-hmm. with him. And so I was immersed into the sober community. And so I actually did the 12 steps for depression anonymous. And I read the big book and I found so much healing in those rooms. I found so much healing in the steps as someone who does not struggle with addiction or alcoholism, but being in that community and you were in that community for a while and now, and now you're not in many ways, but like the lessons of the 12 steps are so helpful. So is there anything that you still take with you into your daily life that can help your mental health that you learned during that period of your life? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And you and I have even had this conversation back, like when I was in LA more too. And I mean, there's so many things. I mean, the first thing I'll say too, is like the community, like that's what I miss the most. But I think there was a moment for me where I no longer related as much to the rooms. It's more like the idea of the community is what I miss because I really loved like the faith aspect and the openness and the connection. But obviously there were points where I was just like, I like, we are not on the same page type of thing. So that's when I felt obviously inauthentically being there and had to excuse myself, but being able to go through having someone guide you through a program was just such an incredible, and I got so lucky with my sponsor and 
you know, she's someone who like has since gotten me through every breakup I've been through like everything. And what I still, and what I know you do as well is obviously the serenity prayer of just, you know, I have to accept the things that I cannot change and have the courage to change the things that I can. And obviously I I pray the prayer, but I also really, it helps me calm myself down and really focus on, okay, what are the things that I can change and what are the things that I cannot. So just the breakdown of that logically in my head has really helped. And then I think the biggest thing too, is the resentment piece that I spoke about earlier, because, you know, having learned how to kind of write out your resentments in that program, it really gave me extra accountability and understanding of like how to not only heal my relationships, but heal myself outside of the relationships. And I just think it's given me a better perspective. And I think it's also made me a better friend of being able to, you know, not build resentments, but then also when my friends are going through something, being able to help them like look at the situation differently and be like, okay, but like it takes two to tango, like recognize your part has, has he recognized his part, like stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, like there's so much that I took out of it just in a sense of the growth and the healing that I went through and just even realizing things that like, maybe I do to excess. And like, I think like I was even joking with my therapist last week. I was like, I may not be an alcoholic, but like, I'm a loveaholic. I was like, I like literally like you get some of it and you want more and more and more. Like everything goes out the relationship when I start falling in love. Like I was like, that's my fucking problem. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just like funny stuff like that, where like at least having that kind of language and understanding of that program definitely helps a lot with mental health. And I mean, even you and I joked one time, I was like, why doesn't everyone have to do 12 steps? I was like, this fucking bullshit that only alcoholics have to do it. We're all fucked up. But I say that about therapy too. You know, I'm like, everyone should do it. Adam has a book for you about love addiction. I will send it to you. I'll get it. Oh God. It's really good. He does like amazing. He recommends it left and right. I'm going to text it to you. I haven't read it, but he said it's amazing. All right. Text it over. Okay. Yes. The serenity prayer changed my life like changed my life. It was the first step that I actually started using towards understanding and relating to my anxiety in that way. It, it, it changed my life working the 12 steps. 100%. I didn't work them as like seriously as my husband had to work them obviously, but just right. there, there's basic principles. I think that everyone should learn, like it should be an elementary school. You know what I mean? And it also started my uh, relationship to a higher power of my understanding, which I now call God. And it just, the whole thing is is so incredibly helpful, I believe. And I was like, why? Yeah, when I was doing this, I was like, why isn't everyone doing this? This is amazing. And also when I like in my mental health problems, I was like, why isn't there rooms that I could go to and a program that I can go to? I think that's what I was like, exactly like what I'm saying. Like, obviously there's two parts too. Like it reconnected me with my faith, like how you just mm-hmm. said on such a more extreme level. And like, that was my biggest takeaway from it. So that's why I felt like I no longer had to be in those exact rooms, but why I miss rooms in general of like, like-minded kind of like healing and growing people. And then the other thing that I did want to say that you mentioned is I think that the thing that I took away the most is obviously surrendering and surrendering over to that higher power. And I think it's a really important, something I try to talk about on my podcast a lot, because I just like, I feel like we live in a very ego driven world. And I think to the point where like, it like makes me like mad sometimes where like, I'm just like, do you really think that like you're completely in charge, you know? And I'm just like, it also is like, that's so much pressure to put on yourself. So I think that 
surrendering over to a power greater than yourself is at least given me to like the verbiage to use on my podcast. Cause I'm like, even if we don't believe in the same God, like however we see fit, however we see him or her or it, it, I'm like, you have to at least believe in something higher than yourself because then you're able to surrender and like turn it over, like literally turning it over. I still do it all the time when I'm having really, really hard time. Like I know I have to turn it over and like it's out of my hands. Yeah. If you know, when you don't have that relationship with, with something greater, like your ego is your God and that is a terrible, terrible God to, uh, to answer to. I mean, if I had to live to my ego, oh my God, I'd be nuts. Yeah. We all, and that's why most people are crazy because they're, they're yeah, to their ego. <laughs> okay. So surrender. Yes. I remember when we had a conversation when I saw you in LA and I told you that I had like found God at that point in my life and you mm. were so happy for me. And it was, it's been the most transformational thing for my mental health in the world. Like when things feel too hard or I feel as if I have too much of a burden on my shoulders or the responsibility is too big and I am trying to figure out the answer or control the outcome or figure it out just to say I don't have to do this alone is so freeing like just the act and the thought and the emotional experience of giving it up to something else Mm -hmm. it's like a Xanax for your fucking body like it just relaxes you it connects you it realigns you so that's been one of my main, main, main practices. Like whenever I get out of alignment, whenever I'm feeling too anxious or depressed, I know there's something that I need to give over to God. Like I know there's mm-hmm. something I have to surrender because I'm trying to control something too much. hundred percent. So what do you think is the biggest difference between Lauren a couple of years ago, like when I met you and Lauren now? Because you've gone through so many iterations and so many healing moments and phases of your life like what what do you think the difference is between those two women I think the biggest difference is kind of this understanding and not accomplishment but like understanding that I am like deserving and valuable and as I am though so I think that I was always trying to be someone I wasn't in order to be loved and successful and just everything. And to the point where I didn't know what needs were in a relationship. Like I didn't know that that was a thing that I was even let alone allowed to have. And I think that I also just like in that way too, like I never put myself first because I didn't think I was like valuable enough to be put first in general. And so I've really kind of turned my life around and upside down because like, I finally am doing whatever I want to do. And I consistently say like, it doesn't mean that like everything's going to be perfect and I'm going to be right because I don't believe that there is a right or wrong. It's just like making a choice. And I choose to like honor myself first. And obviously there's sometimes I fail at that. And there's some days that are easier to do that, but I inch so much closer every time, like even in my romantic relationships, like the leaps and bounds that I've come after my first breakup of just, you know, speaking up for myself, letting people walk away, not people pleasing, having balance, having boundaries, having boundaries in all of my relationships, making a choice because it feels good, not because I'm worried about what anyone will think. And like, that's kind of like why I moved. And it wasn't because, I mean, obviously like I'm not a big fan of LA, but it wasn't just because of LA. It was because 
I wanted to, I wanted to move. And I think that I continue to kind of go down that path of understanding that I need to surround myself with people that love me exactly as I am. And I need to continue to work on loving myself as I am. And that doesn't mean liking yourself. It just means like loving yourself, which, you know, I always say like, it's an action. So it's like, it's showing up for yourself the way that you need, whether that's like legitimate self-care or like moving your ass across the country. And it's not perfect by any means, but it's definitely caused like a total transformation that honestly feels never ending, but definitely in a much better place than even a year ago. You know, I would say being, you know, a bystander to your thing and being a friend of yours and and hearing little snippets over over the years that the thing that I've seen the most of you is just this complete unapologetic courage to change your mind, to do different things, Mm. to do what you need to do, to to say what the truth is and to not care. I'm sure you care at some level, but to to ignore what other people think about that and to radically make decisions that are getting you closer and closer and closer to alignment and to healing and to a fulfilled and purposeful life. And I've seen you go through these iterations from afar and talking to you and all that kind of stuff, but it's just this immense respect for you because I've seen you blossom, but I've also seen you do it very unapologetically. Like, you know, when a woman is standing in her healing, you know, when she's taking radical responsibility over her life and you know, when she's answering to no one but herself. And that is the exact feeling and energy and message I get from you, which is really hard for people to get to. So I just want to say that I look up to you so much in that. And I always cheer you on with that. And it's, it's very rare to find people, women, men, whatever, who take the reins of their own life in whatever way it looks, if it's messy, if it's something different, if it's being sober and then not being sober, if it's moving, it's, if you know, it's breakups, it's whatever it is. It's just this commitment to the end healing, in my opinion, which there is no end, which is kind of the crazy best part. Yeah. That's the fucking kicker that there is no end, but yes, thank you. I mean, I think that just giving yourself permission to change your mind and fuck up has been like the most freeing thing ever because I'm just like, why are we supposed to not like, I think I'm just doing it a little bit differently now. You know, I I started understanding it at a younger age and was definitely always making radical choices from a younger age, but like now I'm doing it to honor myself, not just to be successful or to, I don't know, accomplish something, whatever. So it's, definitely different, which like makes me feel like a little guilty, obviously at times I'm like, keep going. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I want to like go do whatever I want right now. And I'm like, am I sure? And I'm like, yeah, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's how we all need to be living. So if anyone's leaving this episode today, do something purely for the reason that you want to, that it's aligned with you and negating any other outside influence. Okay. Lauren, will you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast, all the good things? Well, you can find all the good stuff on Lauren Elizabeth on Instagram. That My podcast is Mood with Lauren Elizabeth, wherever you get your podcasts. So if you're a podcast girly, that's where you should go. But if you're like super intrigued, obviously head on over to the Instagram. My YouTube is linked on there as well. And you'll just get all the updates. So you'll be informed as well. How many YouTubes do you put out? I would say like three times a month. Three times a month? Because I should. it should be four. It should be once a week, but I always miss because... It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of content. It's a lot of content. I've never been a YouTube person. I don't know you why. You just like run out of things. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I'm like... <laughs> 
I'm like, I'm doing the same thing I was yesterday, but (laughs) yeah, you think that and then you put something out and it's totally new and people love it. And you realize how much there is to life every single time. Sure, Sure. Every single time. Okay. I love you so much. I love you so much. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And you can all follow me at Scout Sobel. Okay. Bye. Bye.